Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. Welcome everybody to Nightlight. Glad you could join me because it's going to be a real fun time tonight. I want to thank first Ken Quiethawk for his amazing intro. He and his wife are native storytellers and their message and their method of preserving history and cosmology is a profound one and everyone should experience what the native storytellers do because they give you wisdom and entertain you at the same time and you know that's the kind of school I would I would pay to go to actually uh check them out they're on uh they're on google all you need to do is look for ken quiet hawk or native storytellers he comes up in both places check it out so tonight um sit back take your shoes off get comfortable and roll up your sleeves with me because um i have a special guest on that i've had on before and i had a wonderful time with him He's written a book called Rad, Owl, Rad Owl's Crash Course in Dream Interpretation. And uh, this is a little bit about the book. Solve the mystery of your dreams with a simple and effective three-step process of dreams interpretation. J.M. J. DeBorg, who is, who is Rad Owl, is a best-selling author and acclaimed dream interpreter. Learn how to interpret dreams by decoding the symbolism and analyzing the story. Gain tips from the great dream and the analysis, analysis, analysis that such as analysts. Let's try again. Gain tips from great dream analysts such as Carl Jung and quickly absorb this incredible and one-of-a-kind knowledge by examining fascinating example dreams step-by-step with clear and concise explanations. No experience is required. Of course, you are required to dream, but then we do that anyhow. J.M. DeBorg, Rad Owl, 
is the author of three books about dreams, including the best-selling Dream Interpretation Dictionary. He explains this complex subject simply and easily and empowers readers to discover their innate abilities to know the meaning and significance of their dreams. In other words, you can become your own therapist if you want to work at it just a little bit. So welcome to the show, Jason. I'm so glad you're here tonight. This is a fun topic. I'm glad we're going to get into it. Yeah, me too. Thank you, Barbara. And last time I was on your show, we really dug deep into the subject of dreams and their interpretation. And you had done your homework and were able to ask great questions, which helps me as an expert to talk about what I know best. So I'm looking forward to this. That book you have there. Go ahead. (laughs) No, the book is great. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, It's also on Kindle, so that that if if people want to... um, Read it on Kindle, they can. Having a, a, a paper book is cool, too. I actually got the PDF from you, and I ran it off so that I have the whole thing marked up with all sorts of questions and, and philosophical questions and all sorts of other, other things here. So, you know, everybody dreams. A, a lot of people say they don't dream, but Everybody does dream, but the remembering of the dream is so hard to do. So, you know, when, when you talk about dream interpretation, you know, you, you're asking people to actually take the trouble to write down their dreams first time, first thing when they wake up. And, and you know, if you don't, you do lose it. So why is that? I mean, when, when a dream is so profound, why is it? that you you forget it almost immediately when you wake up. Well, first, I think that the uh, difficulty that most people have remembering their dreams is the primary reason why dream interpretation is not more widespread. You don't have a dream interpreter on every corner offering their services because everyone dreams and just about everyone has a dream once in a while that they would like to know what it means. Dreams are kept in a short-term memory that is easily overwritten. So for most people, the difficulty is that they don't give the time to it first thing when they wake up to uh, pull those memories, those elusive dream memories, into a longer-term storage. If you start thinking about something else when you wake up, you're not thinking about your dreams. And what you're doing is overwriting your dream memories. They're still underneath there, but they're harder to get to. Because now you're thinking about what you got to do this morning, what's the notifications on your phone, getting the kids ready for school, you getting yourself ready for work, or your mind just starts up with the monkey mind and it starts chattering away. And it's drowning out those elusive memories that came to you from your dreams. So first you have to give it your time. And the second thing that I would say that is the biggest impediment for most people is that they don't have the desire. It's a skill. Dream interpretation or dream recall is a skill. And a skill takes practice to develop. And we have sort of a priority list of the things that we will put our time and energy into based on the value that we think we're going to get back from it. So if you don't know that your dreams are deeply meaningful and that you can get great information from them about the decisions that are facing you in your life, problems that need to be solved, questions that need to be asked, perspective on yourself and your life, and 
a check-in on your inner world to tell you what's really going on in there and how you can navigate that world better so that you feel better, you're more creative, you're more energetic, you're more centered. If you don't know that there's all these great benefits, then why bother putting the effort into remembering your dreams? And it takes time. I I had to spend the first 20 minutes this morning writing in my journal instead of doing other things. That's 20 minutes I could have spent doing other things. So, yeah, spend the time doing it and you'll get the results. I think, too, people don't really realize that that dream state is is it comes from your higher consciousness your subconsciousness your higher self you know you, there are lots of terms for it but but it is that spiritual connection you have with the other side as well so that so that when i said earlier that the you know this is this is a way of analyzing yourself without having to go lay on somebody else's couch for a while because <laughs> yeah the, and you don't have to pay their exorbitant fees. <laughs> yes, and, all, and, and in that case, all you're dreaming about is, oh my gosh, how can I can afford this? But, but I think that's that's. I find that there have been times that I've woken up and said, oh, that was a fantastic dream. Let me go to the bathroom and come back. And by the time I come back, I don't remember it. And you know, I, for a while, I left my dream journal in the bathroom, so that you know I could I could pick it up and write. So that so that you know I didn't lose the thread because it is such such an evasive elusive sh- uh, thread between the dream state and the waking state and and it it does feel as though it, it's like it kind of fades away and and you know you kind of want to grab it and bring it back but my my difficulty in in many of these these experiences with dreams and things like that. Um, how do you tell the difference between what is your imagination kind of, you know, daydreaming or a real dream that comes from your higher consciousness or, you know, you, you're just, you know, you're just having, letting things flow through your head and there's no meaning to it. I mean, how do you differentiate between what is a valid dream that needs to be interpreted and what is, for want of a better word, just random thoughts that seem to be floating around there looking for a place to light. Well, you ask a question that's often asked of me, and it's a great question to ask because there are some dreams that aren't really worth your time to analyze. I would suggest writing down anything that you remember uh, dream-wise, but there are dreams that happen during various stages of sleep that get into deeper levels of yourself or more shallow levels. For instance, as you're going to sleep and you're getting into the first stages known as NREM1 and NREM2, these are lighter stages of sleep. And what tends to happen is memory processing. You will have these quick bursts of activity in the brain that are then uh, turned into visual imagery that are related to the memories that are being processed. Oftentimes, those experiences are more thought-like. You are just kind of wandering through the memories of your day and your brain is taking those memories and it's running them through in these short bursts and then it's finding ways of fitting them into the puzzle your brain memory it's like a brain memory map and those those dreams are just kind of you know they're they're not really engaging emotionally and they're more thought-like and they, they, they can tell you how the mind works. You can analyze them and 
get an idea of what's going on, which I think is always interesting. How was, what is the brain doing while you're asleep? You know, this is, is a, for people who are, you know, fired up by neuroscience and stuff like this, it's a, it's a really fascinating thing to observe and to know more about. But as far as a deeply meaningful dream that's coming from your higher self, your dreams save that for the REM stage. Now, the REM stage is when you engage more with the dream. And this is very important because engagement makes the memories encode more deeply into you. It draws your awareness and attention more into the dream state where you want to be a participant in the story. And Barb, this is the number one way to tell. Are you actively engaged in the story as a participant? And is it emotionally, um, uh, are you feeling emotions coming out in the dream? Those are hallmarks of meaningful dreams. And those are the ones that you really want to get every detail that you can remember about them. And then you can pull them in for dream analysis and walk through my three steps of my dreams, one, two, three process to be able to understand them or at least get started with understanding them. So the engagement of your mind and participation as an actor in the story are the two ways to tell if they're meaningful. So would that be what some people call lucid dreaming when you are a participant in the dream? No, that happens with everyone, whether they're lucid or not. The, in, in fact, lucid dreaming has more detachment. You realize that you're dreaming. And for some people, it means that they kind of detach from that ordinary flow of dreaming and become more of an observer, or they try to change things in a way where they participate in a dream that they want to have as opposed to one that's being given to them by their unconscious mind. No, what I mean is, is that as a participant in the story, you want to think of the dream as like a movie. And you are an actor that walks into the movie and you participate in the story. The movie is going to unfold based on your choices and reactions while dreaming. It's like a choose your own adventure. So as you're getting into the dream you want to think of yourself as playing a role in a story like an actor. This can help to explain why you sometimes will do things that are out of character. Just before we went on the air, I was talking with someone who had a dream where her ex-boyfriend is in the dream and the guy that she's been with for a few years now. Her ex-boyfriend, and she says, I'm sorry, I can't go with you. And there's like this ship that's sailing off into the sky. And then at the last minute, she decides actually, I want my ex back. And the guy I'm with now, he can take a hike. So she makes this decision while dreaming as a participant in the story. And then she feels terrible about it. And so she came to Reddit where I'm Radal, the main moderator of the dreams uh, subreddit there. And she talked, she shared her dream and we talked about it. And what we found behind the dream is that she misses the sort of chemical, passionate, sexual relationship she had with her ex. The guy she's with now is more compatible in every way, except for the chemical, passionate sort Uh of way. And she is minimizing those thoughts. She's trying to push them out of her mind. She's saying, I have a wonderful man now. My life is better. He is better for me. But there's, I do know that I'm missing the passion that I had with my ex. She is suppressing those thoughts and feelings, so her dream is amplifying them and bringing them to her attention. 
it doesn't mean that she's a terrible person for choosing her ex over her new, you know, her present boyfriend. What it's really saying is it's, it's expressing her deeper feelings that she is not doing for herself. This is very important to understand. This is that she, the dream is reacting to the way that she is acting in her waking life. She is suppressing her feelings, so the dreams are amplifying them for her. So when she goes into the dream, she's a participant in the story like an actor. She understands subconsciously the choice and decision that she's making when she says, I'll take my ex over my current boyfriend. It's not saying that she would do that in real life. That's where she got confused. She's like, I would never do that to my boyfriend. I love him so much. Our relationship is great, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, no, no, honey, look, you, you're, having, you're having a a story that you're participating in and you're reacting to the things going on in the dream based on subconsciously what you know about it already, because you understand what you're really doing in the dream when you choose your ex over your current boyfriend. Make sense? Yeah, it does. And, you know, it, it does, you know, our higher consciousness, I, I, I'm going to use that term because, you know, that's where I'm comfortable, but but that's that's the part of 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 us that is sending these kinds of messages and giving us symbols and you know it's 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 really quite amazing because it's so subtle and and if you do keep a dream journal if you do write things down you you'll you'll notice that there are patterns quite often and and I have found that sometimes when something replicates it three or four times and I keep getting the same or seeing the same thing over and over and over again, then, you know, I find I I need to step back and take a look and say, okay, I've had this dream five or six times. It's exactly the same every time. What am I trying to tell myself? And rather than being frustrated by it, you know, you then have to sit back and, and take it apart. And that's where your um, your your one two three comes in and and you know uh, and it is a very simple process of how to analyze a dream. I, I, you know I, I was very impressed with that. Um, you you want to kind of explain it to people so that they can understand what these these three steps are so easy and it makes so much sense when you try to analyze a dream through this process. Well, it's a three-step process that I call Dreams123, and you can go to uh-huh. dreams123.com and get a lot of information about it right now without having to read my books. But my books include more information and the demonstrations of how the process works on dreams that I have helped people to work through and understand. I created a system where people can use a step-by-step process to go from the beginning to the end of the dream and understand it as a story that is told using symbolism and that you understand what's really going on in the dream subconsciously. And there are techniques and methods and approaches that you can use that help you to remember what you already know. You know it subconsciously, but you have to get to that information. It's like remembering a word that's on the tip of your tongue. You, you know, for some people, it means relaxing and just allowing the word to come to them. Some people might hold their tongue or bite their tongue. Some people might put their thumb in the middle of their forehead, you know, whatever it is. They, different people have different techniques for getting to that piece of information that's subconscious and trying to become conscious. They're trying to retrieve it. That's what you're doing with a dream, essentially. It's a good analogy, at least. 
because you're trying to retrieve the information that is subconscious and pull it into your conscious mind. So I created the three-step process, and I'll give the steps real quick. First, you identify the dream story elements and narrative components. All dreams are stories, or at least story-like, and you are, they're like interactive stories. So if you know that it's a story, there are your story elements, which are the settings, characters, and symbols, and there's the narrative components, which are the actions, reactions, and resolution. And then in step two, you take, after identifying in step one, the elements and components, you come into step two, and you go, well, it's, I know that the dream is using symbolism as the language. So I want to decode or translate the symbolism. And I give three tools for doing that. They're very common tools used in, um, in, in dream work and dream interpretation traditions um, going back more than a century. I mean, one of them is simple as follow your feelings. You know, that's, it's, uh. that's something actually that Artemidorus talked about in his book, The Interpretation of Dreams, back in like the third century A.D., so, but in, if you look in more modern times, if you look at the, you know, beginning with your uh, Sigmund Freud's and Carl Jung's and stuff like that, the, in, the, in the later contemporaries of them, they found certain methods that worked very well. And I include those methods in the step where you decode the symbolism. But the other side of the coin is you want to analyze the story. The story has things like metaphor and comparison and contrast in it. These are the same techniques that authors or, you know, let's say directors in movies, but more so authors because it's more language-based, use in their stories. Dreams are packed full of metaphors and metaphorical symbolism. So you analyze the symbolism or you analyze the story and it can help you to get to, you know, what is, it, what is the story really saying? What kind of experience have I given myself? This is real important because you are giving yourself the experience of the dream and you want to understand why. Now with that information, you go into step three and you start putting the dots together. There is a center of gravity, which is the dream's uh, central idea or subject. And all of the details of the dream relate to it symbolically and as part of the story. So you take that center of gravity you try to find it you see how all the details constellate around and connect with it and then you start looking at the context of the story and what's going on in your life and reflect on your life to see what the dream is really saying for most people who start off with dreams in their interpretation they could say get a dream dictionary from the bookstore and they start reading it and they go, well, this is interesting. There's, it says that a bat means this thing and, you know, that the color red means that and the car means this and that. But what the dictionaries don't usually tell people is, even when they're accurate, is how those conclusions were drawn. You know, like, why would the color red, well, here's, this is maybe an example that's too obvious, but, you know, the color red means passion. It means anger. But there could be something else that you're feeling and sensing from the color red in your dream. Maybe there exactly. is a metaphor. You know, maybe there is a way that it's used in the story in a different way than what you'll find in the dream dictionary. But the dream dictionary is not teaching you what you need to know to be able to analyze your own symbolism. And that's what I've tried to do is empower people to be able to figure it out for themselves. Because, Barbara, as you've learned from your dreams, you pick up a few tips here, you know, about dream interpretation. 
And you can start looking at your own dreams and you go, hmm, actually, this is starting to make sense to me. It, it doesn't oh, yeah. require you to sit on the couch with Dr. Freud. You know, you were kind of making that joke at the opening of the show, like, you know, you can go see a psychiatrist and pay their fee and maybe they can tell you what your dreams mean. But what does that really do for you in the long run? You have one right. dream. You don't really understand how they drew their conclusions unless they teach you how they do it. And in the end, you're not empowered by it. And you're, uh-huh. giving, an, you're giving a very important power to someone else because now they are interpreting your dream for you. You know, if I sat there and it's uh, Vladimir Putin and he's speaking Russian and someone comes along and says, this is what Vladimir Putin said. Well, I don't know, you know, heads or tails of any of the Russian language. So I can't tell if the translation is correct. That's the thing when you start getting into this is you go, well, if I give my power to someone else to interpret or translate my dream for me, how do I know that they're right? And B, what happens on the next dream? Do I have to go back to this person to understand what it is? So that's why I try to teach people how to do it for themselves. And I've spent almost 30 years now learning this, practicing it on my own dreams and writing books. And most of all, working with people one-on-one and in shared situations such as at Reddit. I've probably interacted with I would say somewhere around five or six or 7,000 times that I've gone on there and talked with people about their dreams. And so with that knowledge, I understand not only what dreams mean, I also understand the common roadblocks for people to pick up the knowledge themselves. So I make it real simple and easy with my dreams one, two, three process so that they can know what I know, but not have to spend almost 30 years figuring it out. Well, yeah, you, you do you know, have a leg up on most people there. Uh, I found that, that I, I tell, you know, I often tell people keep a dream, you know, journal, you know, write down what you're saying to yourself. And, and you know, eventually it, it makes sense. And I, in, in, in my experience, you know, when people say I don't remember dreams or I don't dream, and basically I say to them, if when you go to sleep you say I'm going to remember my dream, um, you will remember your dream. Now it's your responsibility to pick up a piece of paper and a pencil and write down what it is you, you dreamt. Um, but it, it's it's in many or have ways a special like notebook you know. For it. Yeah, I mean, lots of times, most of, well, most people have an internal alarm clock. If you go to bed saying I have to wake up at six a.m., you most probably will wake up at six a.m. Now it doesn't say you're going to get up. You can roll over and go back to sleep, but but there, there is, I think that especially those people who are on an awareness or a spiritual pathway have established some sort of, um, of a dialogue with their higher consciousness so that there is, even if they don't notice it, there is an awareness on the higher consciousness part that, that they're trying to consciously make that connection. So they try to make it easier. And I do believe that, um, Sometimes, you know, dreams are sent just so people can play with them and, and you know, see if they can understand what, they're try- what you're trying to tell yourself because it's so important because so many people keep, you know, they wonder, am I on the right pathway? And, you know, yeah. my, my statement to them is, is your life full of joy? If it is, then you're on the right pathway. 
It's that easy. And 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 if your life isn't joyful, then then it's time to step back and do some analyzing and say, well, what would what would add joy into my life? How could I, you know? And that doesn't mean you quit quit your job and join the circus, unless of course that has been a dream and then you go for it. But um, <laughs> yeah, well, what needs to change? Yeah, just it, you you ask yourself and you get the answers, and it is just. So amazing and then you get to a point where you begin to trust yourself even more and um, you know I I had a dream oh gosh this goes back a number of years I dreamt that I was at my own funeral and it didn't upset me mm. and I was standing in the back of the room and there's people and it was an open coffin which upset me but um, you know and people were going by and and my best friends when they got up said Oh gosh, why didn't she ever wear her hair that way? It really looks so good on her. And 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 like six or eight people said that, and so I I tried to get real close to see what the heck they had done with my hair. And um I would get up to the coffin and I would wake up. And this went on for a good six or eight months. And you know, I, I went through every form of trying to figure out, you know, who was saying what. It was my funeral and I wasn't upset, so I didn't think I was going to die. But there was there was a message there for me. And I finally, after writing it down over and over and over again, um, at some point I just, I went. I went to the beauty parlor and I said to the to the lady, "Look, I have very long hair." And I said, "Yeah, cut it all off. I think I I want to go short for a while." And she did, and I never had that dream again. Huh? Yeah, that's what I was thinking as you were describing it. Is uh, you're you're trying to see yourself in in the coffin for one, and yeah. which a coffin can mean change, right? The old you is passing away. There's a new you yeah. that emerges, and a lot of people can testify to the fact that with a new you can come a new style, hairstyle, dress, um, vocal delivery you know, a lot of other things that can come with that. So that was my thought was you're not scared by seeing yourself in the coffin. So it's subconsciously, you know, that it's not, yeah. it's probably not related to physical death unless it's like something that you're not afraid of. But most people, if they saw themselves in a coffin and their actual death is the idea behind it, they're going to get a much bigger emotional wallop from that. But you're kind of going, oh, yeah. huh. well, why? What are these people? What are these people seeing? You know, they're going by the coffin and like, hmm, why didn't Barb? You know, why didn't she wear her hair that way when she was alive? You know, or you didn't know that exactly, but something intuitively told you. And this is where you don't have to be able. You don't have to really analyze a dream like Dr. Freud would. You don't have to know uh -huh. all the theory and the psychology behind it. What you need is curiosity. And intuition, and intuition is often felt. So is, there's just feeling your way through the dream content. Oftentimes, you can just do that. You can take an image from a dream and just sit with it quietly and allow it to speak to you. And when I say speak, it's kind of like a, the figure of speech when you say, that speaks to my heart. It doesn't have to yeah. say anything. You feel it. And it's the same way with your dreams. You can feel your way through them. If there's an image in a dream that really interests you and you want to know more about it, you can sit with your mind clear and 
hopefully a quiet environment around you, not too many distractions. You don't want the TV to be on or, you know, someone's trying to talk to you, the phone's ringing, stuff like that. No, no, no. Get yourself to a place where you can be real quiet. For some people, by the way, that's going to the bathroom. Um, I've yeah. recommended that to people, like if they don't have time in the morning because they're too distracted, I said, keep your dream journal in the bathroom, go in the bathroom, close the door. No one can bother you, right? It's the 10 minutes yeah. a day or whatever that you can have by yourself, right? But if the you point have is young to get children? to a quiet place. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, but I've worked with enough people who said this is a problem. Hey, hey Mr. Oh, you know, dream Interpreter, what do I do if I can't? Yeah, if they or, you know, we have cats and they don't respect closed doors either. But you get the idea is whatever you have to yeah. do to create that space for yourself where you can have some time for quiet reflection and you just sit with the image and follow the feelings into your body, into your memories, and you'll get right. some intuitive senses off of it. There's a lot that you can you we we talk sometimes about dreams in terms of there's a higher self that's speaking to you. Well, yeah, uh-huh. in some dreams that's true. There can also be a lower self that's speaking to you, more from your body and more from your instincts. But uh-huh. what you're really seeing in the dream is the mind of nature that was created by nature before human beings created their created an ego to exist in the world and started thinking of themselves as being separate from their environment. There is a part of our mind called the unconscious that had millions of years of head start before the modern human came along, programmed into us a way for us to be healthy and balanced and joyful and connected with our environment, our planet and with each other, and with ourselves. There Uh is a natural way of being that is programmed into all of us. That mind of nature is part of all of our minds, but it speaks to us. It's, It's what that is, is the unconscious mind. And the unconscious mind has two primary ways of speaking to us, through our dreams and through our imagination, which includes our daydreams. So you can Uh actually analyze content from daydreams and use it much the same way as you would analyze and use dreams that come to you during sleep. This is really the benefit that you're getting. The mind of nature reflects on you and what's going on in your daily life with an eye towards helping you to be healthier. And as Carl Jung said, the primary, one of the primary purposes of dreaming is to self-regulate. The ego is part of a, a larger system that he calls the psyche. And the psyche has many parts. Now, anything that's composed of parts is going to need to find a way of regulating itself. The same way the body works. You know, you have the, you know, all the different systems and organs and stuff like that. And they need to be in balance with each other. They need to have a cooperative relationship with each other for the whole body, the whole being to be healthy. It's the same thing going on in the psyche. Your dreams are trying to help you to regulate and balance yourself and how to understand what's going on deeper inside of you and to get the message about things that might be out of whack in your life and in yourself or on the other side of it, areas for potential and growth that can open up for you. Can I give uh-huh. you a quick example from a lady who this was a oh, fascinating sure. case. It's, it's not in my book, but we, we kind of hit on this already about the ways that dreams can advise you about where you can go in your life where you're going to find more satisfaction, more health, uh, more joy. For her, 
she was a public relations executive with the family firm, which meant that when she got out of college with her, you know, marketing and advertising degree, she went to work for the family business and she worked her way up through it. It was a large advertising firm or PR firm, and she worked her way up through it so that she got into an executive position. So here she is, and she's in her like late 20s. She's already flying high in her career. She's got the big salary. You know, um, she definitely has the inside track to one of these days probably running the company. And she said that she was having night after night, she was having dreams about rays, like mana rays and stingrays. And she would dream about herself as being in the ocean and seeing these wonderful creatures. And they really fascinated her. Night after night after night, she was having these dreams. And she was wondering what they mean. And, you know, if you kind of look at the surface of it, you go, maybe there's an interest, an area of interest here for you. You know, she hadn't really, she, she had this, the ocean had this kind of pull on her that she was aware of, but she didn't know how deep it really was until she really started contrasting it with the environment where she spent most of her time as, you know, a PR executive. She's in an office. She's chained to her phone. She's answering emails all the time. She's in a very different high technology, you know, glass and steel and concrete sort of environment. And this is where she's spending most of her waking hours. And when she contrasted the imagery of being in the ocean with the rays with the waking reality, she realized that there was an obvious message there for her. She went back to uh -huh. school. She got a degree in marine biology, and she specialized with working with rays. When I spoke with her, she said that that decision, she was already working as a marine biologist in her specialty, and she said that it brought her more joy than she could have ever thought imaginable, that she was so happy that she gave up the life of the PR executive, even though it was going to pay more and had more potential in the long run for pay and benefits and things like that. She said that it wasn't bringing her the satisfaction in life. Now, Barbara, let me ask you this. How in the world did her deeper mind know that, that she would want to work in the water? I mean, she didn't, it wasn't like she had an experience as a child where she was at SeaWorld or something and she saw the manta rays and something plugged into the back of her mind that said, oh, I want to do that when I grow up. And then, you know, she's a grown up and she's working as a PR executive instead. She didn't find anything like that in her memory. Instead, it was oh, just well, that's, something that know, came from that's... deep within herself. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, you asked me and, and I would immediately say, well, it was past life experience, of course. Um, mm. Mm -hmm. You know, it, 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 it has to come from an experience on the full spectrum of her soul's evolution. And I would think also, you know, probably her, it, it would seem to me that, that she may have been even going back to the womb and experiencing the, 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 the bliss of floating in ambiotic fluid. Yeah, yeah, there was something she knew in her, she knew deep in herself and her dreams were bringing it forward to her attention that this was the place that she wanted to be and the work that uh -huh. she wanted to do. And with, this is where I find the, um, if there is a sticking point with dream work, it's between 
what the unconscious mind, the mind of nature is saying and what the ego is saying and what it wants. The, they, if they are in conflict with each other, then that's the sticking point for most people. Because a lot of people would say, what in the world were you thinking? And when she's <laughs> making that decision to leave the job that pays her the big salary and has her on an executive track, most people would say, what in the world are you thinking? Why would you do something like that? I had another guy who had a dream where he um, saw a, um, a coffin. It was his coffin. And it was stamped with the crest of the elite university that he went to. He was around her age when she started having these dreams. He was in his, you know, kind of into his later 20s. And he said that there was a guy in the dream who kind of laughed with him like, ha, 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 you didn't know that the joke is on you. And the implication was that that's, that coffin is his destination. And that uh-huh. he was, in a way, there's this other side of him or, you know, this character, which is really another side of him, that's kind of mocking him. And here's what we found behind it. This is a guy who really went to an elite university. He went through an elite program in an elite university. He got into the work world and he worked himself up into a position very quickly where he's like a project manager or something. He worked in high technology and he said that he was doing exactly what it was that he had prepared for years to do and had beaten out intense competition to get to where he was. And when I asked him, you know, is there anything about your path in life that, you know, did you have another path in life that you wanted to go in? And he said, no. And I said, okay, we, st- you know, cause we're exploring the ideas kind of like the previous dream. She's dreaming about the ocean and the rays and in, we're looking for something from the dreaming mind that's saying there's another path in life that maybe would be better for you. But we couldn't uh-huh. find that in his case, at least not directly. What we found, Barbara, was that his success had locked him onto a path in life that was going to take him to the grave. And there was no, in, in the sense that this is what he was going to do. You know, you're 27 years old and your life is over in a sense because you've met the challenges and now it's just gravy, you know, from here, he's, you know, he sees the path that's in front of him. He's going to rise high into the world, the industry that he works in. He's going to make a lot of money. He's going to be very successful at it and he's never going to be happy. He's not Uh really happy doing the work and he can't admit it to himself because he chose this path for himself and he thinks that he would be a fool to give it up because he worked so hard to get to where he's at. But like that coffin with the crest of his university on it, that's where he's going to end up and there's no other choice. The challenge in life is over with. So this is something dreams can show you this other perspective on things that the ego isn't getting. And it can, this is where that conflict and that sticking point can come in because the ego doesn't want to get the message for part of you speaking, wanting you to at least reflect with a wide open mind and make your choices consciously instead of feeling like you're locked into something that you have to take with you for the rest of your life. I found this with like people who are doctors, physicians, 
They work very hard from the time they're in like second grade. They're worried about, oh, I didn't get an A on the test. My life is over, you know? And then they get into high school and they've got all the best grades and they take the most advanced classes and they give up their social time and other things so that they can have that, you know, they can get into the best college. Well, now they've done their undergrad and they need to get into the best medical school. And then they need to be the best at that so they can get into the best residency. And then they get to where they've worked to get to. They're a top flight physician, came out of a top flight school, and they don't have any other choice about it. And it's not to say that they, they're on the wrong path in life. It's that they won't even consider other options. They, they, won't give them, they, they won't consider other points of view. And there might be something that is speaking to them that says, you need to at least consider these other things. So that, yeah. and, and maybe there's a way of integrating it, you know? Maybe it's going to be doctors without frontiers. You know, maybe there's something that's more idealistic in you. Or, hey, go make your million-dollar salary. That's fine, but do it consciously. This is often what your dreams are asking you to do. Now, I've often found that, that, that while the higher self will give you other options, it doesn't say stop immediately and go this other way. It gives you the option. And you can look at it and you can evaluate it and you can take it or not. But at least there should be a consideration there. There should be an awareness that, you know, there are other directions you can go in. And I have, I have found of late that so many people are looking where they are career-wise and saying, you know, this isn't working, but how do I know where to go? And I basically tell them, you know, listen to yourself. Listen to what you're saying to yourself, you know, through dreams, through daydreams, through inspiration, through synchronicities, because all of those things will give you hints as to what, what other potentials are. And there are always choices. There are always other potentials. You, you know, never is there a brick wall that you can't get over, around, or through if you, if you allow your higher consciousness to speak to you. And it's, it's amazing because, you know, synchronicities happen all the time. And if you, you pay attention to synchronicities, then, you know, then magic can happen in your life. And, and it's, it's the same thing as, as listening to your dreams. You know, pay attention to what they're telling you and pay attention to the symbologies that's there. And, and just because you have a dream that seems so simple and so, so you just, just boring, um, there is always symbolism in it. And, and if you take the time to analyze it and go into it, you know, nothing is wasted. There's nothing, nothing happens for no reason at all. And, yeah, and, and you can have just a fragment of dream that can have a lot of information in it if you'll plummet, if you'll if you'll uh-huh. work with it. Well, yeah, and and trusting the information that you get. Um, gosh, two years ago, uh, my my son was in. He was going to Boston for something. He stopped and he had dinner with me in Connecticut, and we were at the dinner table and. I suddenly said to him, out of nowhere, I said, I, said, I, think it's, I, I think I should sell the house and move. And he just looked at me and he said, where did that come from? And I said, I don't know, but I just said it and it sounds like a good idea. And, and he said, you know, where would you go? And I said, Nashville. And my best friend lives in, in Virginia. So 
you know, if I was going to rationally think about it, it probably would have been to go by her. But I said Nashville, which is close to where my son lives. And um, he said, you know, he just figured, you know, I was just talking off the top of my head. And he just said, well, get a realtor and see what happens. And so the next day I got a realtor. And the house was on the market in a week. And it sat there for a year and a half. And I kept I kept asking, you know, what's going on here? You know, a year and a half. I, I know that I was inspired, you know, by something to make this move. But it's just, you know, I'm sitting for a year and a half. That's a lot of time to have a clean house every day, let me tell you. And, yeah. well, the house, <laughs> the house finally sold. And, um after searching for a year and a half for condos and everything in, in Nashville on, on the computer, of course, one one dropped their price, came into my price range. I called my son. I said, that's it. Buy it. And he said, don't you want to come out and see it? And I said, no, that's it. And he bought it. And um, I came out here, and the first time I walked into this place, um, it felt like home. And... Somebody said, are you sure you've made the right decision? And I said, I really feel this is the right decision, but I feel that, the, you know, somehow I will know, I will, it will be confirmed to me so that I can just say, there, see, I told you so. Uh, a week after I moved in, I, I, I was walking, it's a very small, it's 14 units, it's, it's not big. I was walking around taking a look at some of the people's gardens, and I noticed that behind my condo um, there was an old graveyard which I thought was fabulous, and it was from the 1800s. And, you know, when I looked at the tombstones that I could, there was only one that I could read, and it was um, a Thomas F. Smiley. And so Jeannie and I had his dates, so we looked him up. And he was the Smiley family founded um, or was one, were one of the founders of, of this town that I'm in. And he had a sister named Hattie, and Hattie was married to, are you ready? Aaron DeLong, one of my ancestors. Oh. <laughs> now, that came out of, there was something deeper going on there. You know, like, you think? <laughs> there was, yeah, and th- th- that synchronicity is fascinating. And it, it tells you that there is a mind that comes to us through, that works in our dreams, that works in the background of our thoughts that already has this information and it's just waiting for you to ask and you can get it through you can get the reply through dreams you can get them through intuitions and feelings we had uh your your story reminds me of linda schiller who i'm a uh, podcast host the dreams that shape us and linda was the guest on episode uh two or three she described the dream where, well, here's the setup for it. She, 20 years ago, she was in the process of doing an international adoption for, for, from China. Her and her husband knew that they wanted a child, but they weren't going to be able to like fly to China. They were using a, an, an adoption agency to basically find them a baby, send them a picture, and have them make a decision. Does this you know, do you want this? Do you want to adopt this child? And the agency calls her up and says, we have, you know, come on down here to the office because we just found, you know, a baby for you in China. 
Well, she gets there and she sees the picture and she sees that the baby is older than what she was had her and her husband had pictured. And the only reason why it was a concern is because she knew that children who are in like orphanages in some of these international places, they sometimes don't have the best experience. And it's something that can stick with them and really cause them a lot of issues, psychological, emotional issues, and sometimes developmental issues, physical issues. They've been malnourished, things like that. Uh So she didn't know her. She's like, I don't know if this is really right for us. She said, give me 24 hours. Let me go home and dream on it. So she goes home. She has a dream that the um, it was based on something that happened where her mother-in-law had bought her. This was in Waking Life, had bought her the shed and they couldn't they were like it was a little bit too big to be able to fit in the place where they wanted it right next to their house. And they had an installer out and the installer said, oh, well, all I got to do is dig down a little bit, pour a little foundation and, you know, and everything will be fine. So she basically has a replay of that in the dream. The dream says it's a little big, but it'll fit. It's the right one for your home. And that applied exactly to her baby. The baby was a little bigger than they thought, a little older, but it would fit. And 20 years later, as we're talking about this, I said, Linda, how how did the dreaming mind know that that was the right child for you? She said that her daughter is was the perfect, like she wouldn't know this as a baby or even as a young child, but being able to reflect after 20 years with her daughter, she was like, there was something out there in the universe that knew that we were right for each other. And it was this sort of cosmic thing, this larger mind that knows things like that your ancestor, you know, is in your buried in your backyard, you know, like um, or in your case, I mean, I, I, I'm exaggerating that a little bit. But, you know, I mean, you, this person who's buried in the cemetery behind the condo <laughs> that you felt this connection to is, yeah, I mean, you're 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 related. So there is something this larger mind that knows things that can speak through your dreams. So not only do you have the mind of nature that can reflect on things for you, step back, see the big picture and advise you through your dreams, you know, solve problems, answer questions, make decisions. Uh You also have this larger mind, this awareness, this intelligence that seems to know everything and can help you to make decisions based on its perspective so that you don't have to know all of the answers. It has the answers, but it's not asking you to give up your power to it. This is one of the things that Carl Jung talks about a lot, is that people tend to want to give up their decision-making power. And if they walk into dreams looking for an oracle, they're going to be sorely disappointed because that part of the mind, which connects into the big cosmic mind, is going to challenge you to be a more conscious being, to take responsibility for yourself, to make your own decisions. It's that sensitivity. And, you know, lots lots of times people will say to me, you know, well, can I ask a question? And I, I always say, sure, just be prepared for what your dream, you know, you may ask, you know, what should I do next with my life? And you should get, and and what you get, you know, could easily be a Big Mac. And the Big Mac, if you if you really take it apart <laughs> and if you really look at it, could easily tell you give you the answer to your question. So don't don't you know flip something off as being well something wasn't listening. 
um, you know, you will get a, a message, you will get a symbol, you will get something that can, with care and time, be taken apart and interpreted and, and, and give you some input into the direction that you should go. And, you know, that was, that was you know, really quite flippant, but, but it, it, it works that way. And I know, like I said before, I have tons of people calling me in tears saying, I don't know what to do with the rest of my life. And it's like, first, calm down. And secondly, you know, start, start paying attention to what your dreams are telling you because I'm sure there are messages there. And, and all you have to do is be patient with it and start looking at, like, like you said, you know, the, the locale, what was in the dream, you know, where was the dream place, what was the season, what was the time, what was in it, what people were there, what was happening in the dream, to really take it apart piece by piece by piece. And when you do that, you get a sense of, of, a, of where the symbology is leading you if you pay attention. Yeah, and there's a real magic to it because – you, if you can understand or at least get an idea about what one part of a dream means, it can help you to decode the rest of the dream. And then that gets the ball rolling for you. And you only need to be able, you only have to do it once for you to realize oh, yeah. that you can do it. You can, you do it once, you can do it again and again. And it's not as hard as it seems. I like to say that I demystify dream interpretation because People have this image in their mind that you either have to be, you know, the uh, psychiatrist who, uh, by the way, most of them are not trained in dream interpretation these days, but you go back to, you know, the older days and dream interpretation, at least analysis from a psychological point of view, was almost a given for psychiatrists, but it's been largely pushed out of their field of study because there's been a lot of aspersions cast on psychoanalysis as a science. Uh-huh. And the, so when, or, or here's the other side of it, Barbara, people think they have to see a psychic to figure out what their dreams mean. In other <laughs> words, they come to you saying, let me, you know, tell me what my dream means, you know, and you go, well, you know, like you don't need a guru. You don't need a psychiatrist. You just, you need the patience. And you need the diligence of writing down enough dreams until you start to see the patterns emerge from them. You will find yourself in the same situations and scenarios time and again, the same places with the same people. The symbols can change. The scenarios can change. I don't mean it's the exact same. You know, I'll give you an example. I have, I had a dream theme. I've had it for years where I am working in a restaurant and I did this when I was younger, all the way up until you know, maybe less than 10 years ago, I was still working in restaurants sometimes, various capacities, but mostly front of the house stuff, you know, waiting tables and things like that. And uh-huh. I, so I have a lot of memory of it, but it, I'm never in the places where I worked. It's always just a restaurant. There's too many tables to take care of. Like everything comes in all at once. And oftentimes there's too much to do for me to be able to handle it all at once. This is one of the rhythms of the restaurant business. You can go from zero to a thousand miles an hour in five minutes, you know. And so as you, you get used to that, it becomes part of the experience of, of working in restaurants. Now, my uh-huh. dreams have pulled that in and they're telling stories about what's going on in my life where things get to be too much. Too much happens at once. Too many balls are in the air. Too much to juggle. Or here's another side of it. 
sometimes it's about the things that I'm doing at home that are related to the work that I used to do in restaurants, sweeping floors, cleaning tables, dusting shelves, you know, preparing food, things like that, Uh washing dishes. These are things that you do as part of restaurant work that you also do as part of home. And what I found in a, a pattern of that, after I had enough of those dreams, I could look at the patterns in them. I could say, what is this really speaking to? Well, I would reflect on well, what was going on the day before the dream. Hmm, am I seeing a pattern here where there's a bunch of stuff to do around the house? Maybe there's too many things to do. You know, I've got a podcast uh-huh. interview to do. You know, my publisher is asking me for that sample chapter, but there's also dishes, floors, laundry, you know, food to prep, all these things that have to be done. So in my dream, what it does is it shows me in this situation, it took something from my experience of life and then it spun that into a story to reflect back to me what's happening in my life. And it's not just to reflect it. It wants me to respond and go, where is my priority? Or maybe it says, you need to be able to do this in a way that is not causing you so much stress and anxiety. Maybe I can't do anything about the fact that my to-do list is 20 pieces long and I've only got so many hours in a day to do it, right? But what it's saying is, is that it's showing me in the scenario feeling anxious and stressed. It's showing me getting irritated and angry. So that's reflecting back to me what's going on in my waking life so that I can be more aware of it. I wake up from the dream. I recognize the pattern from the dream that it's, you know, the scenario that it's using to help to show me what's going on in my life. I look at how I was feeling in the dream and I go, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. If I'm going to have all these things to do, I can sure make it easier on myself if I'm not sitting there, you know, blowing steam out my nose like a angry bull. You know, just to give an example, it's, it's main, it may not say that there's something that has to change with the situation. It has to change in myself. And this is where I find a lot of times is where the dreams are really focused. They take what's going on in your outer life, the situations and circumstances and events, and it shows how it affects you internally. And that is where you always have control. And that's where you can actually always make changes. Sometimes dreams will point you towards things going on in your life, big outer life things that you can change. The one lady changed uh-huh. careers, you know? I mean, that was a huge change for her. But usually the content of your daily dream life is pointing you towards what's going on inside you and what's within your control to change. And it often boils down to your attitudes and your feelings. Yeah, and so that's where symbols. I think that the book really shines. Oh, gosh, yeah. Go and, ahead, and symbols as well are... Um, you know, if if you rely on someone else's interpretations of them and don't interpret it for yourself personally, I, I sat with a woman once and I said to her, you know, I keep seeing antique buttons here for you and I don't know why and you're you're sending me antique buttons and, and saying it's important and I can't figure out why. Why don't you, you know, check flea markets out, see if maybe, you know, it might be a good habit or it might be something you could do for fun or, or, yeah. And three weeks later, she said, antique buttons don't turn me on at all. And I said, but it's still here and it's still so strong and it's like there's a message here that's important to you. And I looked at her and I, 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 you know, the light bulb goes on. I said, 
is it possible that someone who is older is pushing your buttons and you're having trouble (laughs) dealing with it? And she said, oh, my God. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And, Barbara, what's fascinating there is the way that you interpreted that symbol that you were getting through psychic vision is the same way that uh you would interpret a symbol from a dream. It's antique means old and button. You look for the metaphor, pushing the button, like right, right there it is. So it's fascinating how these processes run parallel or the same. This interpreting a dream symbol is the same way that you interpret other things that come to you um, through your intuition, your feelings and your deeper senses, or as you would say from your higher consciousness. And, and that, and that's, you know, it's, it's, Everything in the dream just about is symbolic. And so when you see, I don't know, a a red car, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's a red car. It it could be emotions that are traveling or, you know, it could be be anything. So you have to take the time to figure out for you what it's symbolic of because that's where the message is and that's – that's where you become your own therapist, and it is so cool. So, so okay, people have written out dreams, and they have lots of different symbols, and they've, they've you know, written out what they feel that they mean or, or, or think they symbolize. How do you know when you've got it? When, when well, you, first, you it's going to resonate with you. Okay. It's going to resonate with you because it's like the word on the tip of your tongue. Once you know, once that you recall what that word is, you go, oh, yeah, that's right. That's what I was trying to think of, you know, Uh or the memory, this person's name that you couldn't quite remember. And then, boom, all of a sudden it's there. But here's the other thing that is part of my step three of my dreams, one, two, three process is context. The dream puts the symbol into the context of a story and in connection with other symbols it doesn't always have other symbols but there's always going to be a story context because the symbol isn't just floating in a black void well you know i suppose it could but for most people the dreams are going to give them a context that red car let's say here's here's the difference in context you have a hot red sports car that's sitting in a garage you know and the dust is accumulating on it What does that say compared to the hot red sports car that you're screaming down the road, you know, through a busy city, weaving your way in and out of traffic? The context of the story gives you a much different idea about what the symbol means. And this is where the dreaming mind reveals itself, because when it puts the car in a garage, it's saying something along the lines of there's potential that's unused or you yeah. have energy, but it's idling, right? But if you're showing, if it's showing you screaming through traffic, you know, that's a whole different context to understand what the red car means. You know, it, it might mean that, for example, that you're pushing yourself too hard. And now you're yeah. starting to see steam coming out from underneath the hood. Oh, red, uh-huh. you know, associated with blood yeah. pressure, you know. Um, and then oh, it creates it, other things to help you to understand what the symbol means, because there's usually something happening with the symbol. 
And that's why I, I include narrative components as part of my three steps. And one of them is actions. Actions are the main way that a dream tells a story and they are symbolic. We tend to think of symbols as things like, oh, it's the red car. It's a symbol. Well, the red car is doing something, and that's a symbolic action. It's part of the plot. It's, put, it's inserted into a story. This is how the dream defines what the symbol means. And you take the action that's happening with it. Oh, I'm driving the, the red car, and I press on the brakes, and the car doesn't slow down. That means something symbolically. Do you have any ideas, yeah. Barb, by the way, before I – yeah? Tell, tell me what you think that means. What, what if, if, you, if you take your foot off the accelerator and, you, and it doesn't slow down? Or you're pressing on the brake, right? You're screaming along in the uh-huh. car and you press on the brake and the brake doesn't work. This is a very common dream scenario. So I wanted to see if you've ever experienced it or if you have any ideas about what it means. You can't I, slow I would down. Think you break if, if, if you can't slow down, then you have no control. And so, you, you're right. You so the the brake pedal is a part of the controls of the car, right? Yeah, so if you yeah, can't so slow you, down the car, right? So think of parallels with life. You know, your life is is too busy. Circumstances are beyond your control. They uh-huh. or maybe the car symbolizes your body. It's your blood pressure. You can't get your pulse to come down or your blood pressure to come down. You're always revving the gas up. You're always pushing the engine to the max. Well, now you're pressing on the brakes and it won't slow down. Usually, though, it's more of a metaphorical idea for things, something that's going on in your life that's beyond your control. And what I found is that it usually relates to the idea that things are happening quickly and you've lost, you're not able to slow them down. I had a a good friend of mine who is a project manager for very large construction projects. He builds hospitals and schools and power plants, and he's the manager. He's the guy in charge. So he has hundreds of contractors, sometimes with some of these projects, hundreds of contractors, plus his own staff for the company that he works for who will be on site and working to build the power plant, right? Well, he calls Uh me up one day after he's in the middle of one of these big projects. He calls me up and says, Jason, I had this crazy dream, man. I was screaming down the highway in the car and, you know, I'm, I'm starting to hit this curve and it's, it's like, it's, it's, it's a tight curve and I'm gripping white knuckle in the steering wheel and I'm managing to keep the car on the road while I'm doing like 110. And he says, I look over and this truck full of contractors from the job site pulls up next to me. And one of the guys, he was driving, but somehow he reaches through the window and grabs hold of my steering wheel. So picture the scene. You're already in a high-speed turn, barely in control of your vehicle, when another vehicle pulls up and a person reaches through and grabs hold of your steering wheel. And I said, well, you know, this is, these are people that you know from work, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, they're a group of contractors. And I said, all right, well, this is probably speaking to work. You know, what is the, the, the metaphor of being, you know, barely in control while going at high speed? I'm like, does that fit at work? And he laughs and he's like, man, this project I'm on is like, it's barreling ahead and I'm, you know, I'm managing the project, but I feel like I'm barely in control of it. I'm like, well, your dream created a heck of a metaphor to, 
you know, kind of get that idea across. And I said, well, what's going on with the contractors where they would reach through your window and take control of the steering wheel? Like the steering wheel is your control. How are they trying to take control? And he's like, yeah, these guys, they have been giving me the business. And they're starting, they're like sharks when they get a drop of blood in the water, man. They're just in a frenzy. He's like, they're probably, you know, they, they're trying to tell me how to do their jobs because they're sensing weakness in me and they think that they can get away with it. And if you give these guys an inch, they'll take a mile. And anyone out uh-huh. there that's worked in the construction business knows exactly what I mean. <laughs> these are, these are oh, yeah. rough cats, you know, and, and they will act that way. So he responded. He said the next day when, when, you know, when he's there, 8 a.m. in the morning and everybody's showing up to the job site, he was ready to crack down on them and show them who's boss. He is in control. It's his steering wheel, and he's having a hard enough time keeping control of things as it is. He doesn't need these guys coming in trying to take control of things from him. And so by understanding the dream, he was able to respond to it. And this is the real magic of working with dreams. It's not just a parlor game of analyzing the symbolism and, you know, it, it can be a great intellectual exercise applying, you know, looking for things where you can apply dream theory. You know, this, this school of thought says one thing and that says another thing. And we've learned things from neuroscience on over here. And these are what studies of dreams say. And you can accumulate all this knowledge you can be really good at analyzing, but it doesn't really do you a whole lot of good unless you figure out what to do with the dream content. And this is where right. my system comes in because resolution, the, 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 there's a, that's part of what you look for in the dream. And if there's not resolution in the dream content, you can reflect on the dream. Like in my friend's case, the resolution was up to him to decide. And it was through implication. Hey, are you going to let these punks take control of your, you know, your car? And when it was phrased to him that way, he's like, heck no, I'm not. So now the resolution is up to him, but he knows where to go. He knows what to do in response. And by the way, Barb, I have a course. It's one of my favorite courses that I created. I create online courses and it's at dreamschool.net and it's called Dream Resolution. And I give tons and tons of examples of the way that dreams have spoken with people to either give them the resolution in the dream, such as that manta ray dream where it was kind of there in front of her. She just needed to think about it the right way. That was one example all the way over to others where the resolution is for you to figure out. Sometimes the dream tells you or suggests, and sometimes it gives you the information for you to decide for yourself. And it helps you, what it's doing is teaching you how to look at the situation so that you can make your own decisions. I like to say that dreams show and you decide. They paint a picture for you that brings in and accounts for things, including the things that you aren't accounting for. There may be things Uh that you are minimizing. There may be things that you are missing. You're overlooking. Somewhere in the back of your mind, you know something is going on but you're, you're missing it. So your dreams reflect it to you. They bring that information forward for you. They paint the picture and then you get to decide how to resolve whatever it is that's being, you know, if it's a, a situation or a problem you need to solve, a decision you need to make, something like that, it's there for you. And my course on dream resolution is 
the only one that I know of anywhere that actually focuses in on this aspect of dreaming and teaches you the steps for being able to utilize your dreams and not just interpret them. Oh, absolutely. And I do want to slip a slight plug in here for your your uh, podcast, The Dreams That Shape Us, because it is on my YouTube channel for Nightlight, so that if anybody wants to go to your shows that are out there, they can go to uh, Barbara DeLong on YouTube, and you just go to the playlist, and there's a, a playlist for your show called The Dreams That Shape Us, and it has 14 of your shows there, if anybody's interested. Yeah, which is awesome. I was just there last night, because on um, anchor.fm, slash dreams that shape us. Um, I'm going there right now as we're speaking. I had put in a new link um, for YouTube that takes you to that playlist. So where do I don't see it. Okay, I'm not seeing it. I haven't actually checked on this since I did it. Uh, At the bottom. Ah, Okay, it's not there yet. We're going to figure it out. Um, I have, by the way, a website for it. Oh, there it is. There's an icon that says, uh, yeah, there it is. Um, so if you go to anchor dot, actually, there's a forwarder, dreamsshapeus.com, it forwards to that anchor.fm site. It's basically Spotify under another name. Um, and then it gives right underneath there, it has a YouTube logo, and that logo is the link to the playlist. So you oh, can, it's, it's, of course, listen to it on the podcast, or you can listen to it on YouTube and get oh. all of the first season. I think we have 15 episodes now, and you can get all yeah. of them where we talk, we delve into these amazing experiences that people have in their dreams. You know, you and I so far have talked for an hour and 15 minutes about dream interpretation. And to me, and I can tell that to you too, it's a fascinating subject. You know, all the psychology behind it and, you know, the way that this deeper, higher mind, whatever you want to call it, is speaking to you. There's a process that you can go through to analyze a dream all well and good. Do you know what people want to talk about when I'm, you know, like I do all kinds of media and I give workshops and seminars and stuff like that. And I'll get done talking about some fascinating, you know, thing that Carl Jung or someone like that taught about dreams and how I've incorporated it in and made it easily accessible for them to use. And then they'll be like, but I had a dream that came true. What is that all about? You know, or, you know, my my mom who died 10 years ago came to me in a dream and she said this or that. What does that mean? Those are the dreams that really kick, kick, really kick people in the butt and they want to know about. And that's where my co-host and I have really delved into because we have, we have found amazing experiences that people have had through their dreams. And can I just tell your listeners about episode one real quick? Cause it's one of the most fascinating sure. cases I've ever run across. Okay, so this is called Back to the Life I Know, Season 1, Episode 1. And his name was Harper. Um, And Harper is a young man who wrote to me as Radal at Reddit. A lot of people know me this way. And he said, hey, I I see that you know all this stuff about dreams. I want to tell you about something that happened to me and and see if you can help me with this and help me understand it. He said, I had this – it started off with having this dream – where I saw this character and I became the character and started acting out in this sort of make-believe world. And there was all this crazy action and very specific things, other characters in the dream with me, places that I went to, things that I said. 
And he said, well, I traced this character to a show. He said, it was actually a show I'd never seen nor heard of it. And it's called The K Project. It's an anime show. And he, it's basically a Japanese action-adventure cartoon. And he said, uh-huh. I watched the show after having the dream, and my dream was pretty much exactly what happened in the show. And then that night I had another dream putting me back in the show again. But I, and then the next day, I'm, he's, he, gets, he starts binge-watching binge watching the show, and it happened for a month, Barbara, where he would oh, wow. watch, he would have a dream, and then the next day he would watch the show and realize that the dream had the characters, the settings, the dialogue, the actions, the scenarios. It was all playing out. From, and he'd never seen the show. Let's be real clear about this. He hadn't seen the show, hadn't even heard of it before the dream started. So after a month of this going on, he's dreaming through the eyes of this skateboarding, bat-wielding, kick-button guy in the show. You know, it's an anime. It's an action-adventure. And this guy is, you know, he's this real, you know, he's this tough guy. He's full of vigor, and he's, he's riding a skateboard up the backs of the bad guys, and he's got this nemesis character and, you know, all these things. Well, it turned out that Harper, for the previous few years before he started having those dreams, he had been told that he had a heart condition and he needed to tone it down. Before then, he rode a skateboard. He did parkour, which is like jumping off of buildings, doing flips and climbing up walls without having to... You know, all this crazy stuff. He was real visitor. He was, he was a, he built up his body, worked out a lot, you know. And he said that for three years, he had to just kind of sit there on the couch because the doctors told him that if his heart rate got too high, it could kill him. And he didn't, he didn't know. And what he figured out was that the dreams were telling him that he could get back to the active life that he had before. And here's the kicker. You talked about synchronicity earlier. He was uh-huh. writing it in his journal. And by the way, he photographed his journal and he showed it to me. And I, it was all written there with dates and all the events and all the things that played out in synchronicity, you know, between the show and the dreams in his life. He said that he was sitting there writing in his journal that maybe these dreams were telling him that he could get back to the life he had before. And right at that moment, he said a song list was playing with, you know, like a playing off of uh like um, uh, Spotify or something like that. He said a random song was playing and this, the lyric of the song said, I've got to get back to the life I had before. As he's writing it in his journal, it's repeated through the speakers. It couldn't wow. be any more clear. There was a synchronicity, that larger mind we talked about earlier that knows things uh-huh. Like Linda, you know, the asked her dreams, is this the right daughter for me? And it turned out it was right. And you saying, is this the right condo for me? But you just knew it and it turned out uh-huh. to be right. That was the same yeah. sort of synchronicity. And so well, these are the things that really blow people's minds and that's what they want to know about. So you brought up the podcast and I want to let your listeners know that if they are more interested for now, in this other side of dreaming, these fascinating ESP, psychic, paranormal, synchronous, you know, big life-altering, big decision-making dreams, then go to uh, look up the Dreams That Shape Us podcast and 
we've got lots of stories about that um, oh, about yeah. that side of dreaming. Well, you know, we've hit a couple sides of dreams, and the one side we haven't hit that um, everybody's wondering about. Well, maybe not everybody, but it, it's a, it's an aspect we haven't hit are nightmares, and these are dreams too. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, that's probably the second most thing that people are, when they come to me to talk about dreams, it's either these ESP psychic crazy synchronicity dreams, or it's they're, they're having nightmares and dark dreams, and this is what's compelling them to, you know, find out more about them. So, yeah, Barbara, I just finished a book. It's coming out through Visible Ink Press. They they published my last book, The Dream Interpretation Dictionary. Um, uh-huh. And then I published Radal's Crash Course in Dream Interpretation, the book that you read. Um, but my next one coming out through a publisher is Nightmares and Dark Dreams. So I am primed and ready to talk about this subject because I just spent the last nine months going into deep depth about nightmares and dark dreams and the various symbols and ways of being able to understand them. So, yeah, well, let's talk about nightmares. Let's- Let's let's talk about it because everybody has had them. Well, most people have had a nightmare here or there, and um, you know they're um, while while analyzing them as you do a dream. I don't know. Do you do it the same way? I mean, what is yeah. what's the appropriate way to address it? Yep, you go through my three-step process. You break it down. You identify the um, story elements and narrative components. Take it into step two. You translate the symbolism and you analyze the story. Take it into step three. And now you put it together in context, see the big picture, and reflect on your life to see what it's saying about it. But you can bring in certain facts about dreams that help in that process. A nightmare is a special type of dream. It's a dream, so that's why you interpret it like a dream, but it's a special type. It's an experience that we have that scares the crap out of us, basically, yeah. frightens us. Uh, it, 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 it rouses our emotions in a way that's deeper than most dreams. It's darker. And, Barbara, most people misunderstand their nightmares, and this is the number one way they misunderstand their nightmares is they take them too literally. There will be the black-eyed people who show up in their dream, the alien that abducts them, the <laughs> vampire that's, you know, hounding them, the the terrorist who blows their brains all over the streets, you know, or maybe in their dream, they're the terrorist doing the killing and talk about throwing people for a loop. Um, but it's still the same thing. You're an actor playing a role in the story and your actions are symbolic, you know? So this is... You do analyze it in the same way, but you're going to bring a special set of tools to nightmares. Now, there are different causes for nightmares. And one, the most common, I would say, is that there are chronic, chronically stressful situations in our life that's not being resolved. So you, the dream is going in, the nightmare is trying to get you to address the chronic situation in your life. Something needs to change. And the volume is on 11. Oftentimes, when you look back over a period of dreaming and you, you identify what's behind the nightmare, then you look back in time, you'll see that the dreaming mind was telling the person 
that the situation was getting worse and they weren't responding to it. The relationship that they're in is not right for them. The job has too much stress. The thing from their past that hurt them is not resolved. The trauma they experienced is, needs to be healed. These are common sources and causes for nightmares. And the dreaming mind usually starts with a milder way of getting across the message. And when you don't get the message, it keeps cranking up the volume. So you can think of nightmares as the volume screaming in your face. This has to change. And when you get the message, most of the time the nightmares go away. But you have to understand what the message is. And then usually you'll respond to it in a way that helps. Sometimes you just need to know the thing. Hey, you're not the, you don't have to feel guilty about that thing you did years ago. Okay, well, there's an easy resolution if you can kind of go, yeah, you're right. I don't need to feel guilty. Your feelings change. Now the nightmares don't haunt you anymore. You've gotten the message. It may be more difficult if it's like, eh, my spouse is not the right person for me, and I got to get out of this marriage. Oh, and what, yeah. what are we going to do with the kids? Hmm, what are we going to do with the house? What am I going to do with our job, our social group? Okay, now that's, um, you know, that's a more complicated situation. So it's maybe not so easily resolved. But once you get the message, at least, the nightmares will abate, usually. Now, there are other causes for nightmares, and one of them, funny enough, is bad digestion. You know, That's where I was going to You go. can dream about <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's funny. There used to be – this used to be a parlor game. Oh, you had a bad dream last night. I wonder, what is it that you ate yesterday that could, yeah. what was the cause of the dream? You know? Exactly. Oh, I was – you know, a cow – a cow, a, a cow with, you know, was, I was stampeded by a herd of cows. Oh, it was the beef stew. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I didn't feel so good after eating it either. Maybe that stew wasn't so good. This used to be a parlor game that people would play of trying to figure out what it was they ate that caused their bad dreams. Um, so there can be bad digestion that goes into it. What I found in, is two other causes that are also very, that are more common. Um, one of them Carl Jung says the most common reason for nightmares is there is an antagonism between the unconscious mind and the ego or the conscious mind, uh -huh. basically the same thing. The ego is the executive decision maker at the heart of the conscious mind. And he says that there's an antagonism. The, the unconscious mind sees things one way, the ego sees things another way, and they're not meeting in the middle anywhere. And so the, that it creates tension that's, that's then expressed through nightmares. And the other thing is um, traumatic stress. There are okay. a lot of people walking around these days with post-traumatic stress. And oh, yeah. as, I got, as I was writing my book, I dug into the research. I read a book. I have an advanced copy of it called PTS Dreams. It's by Linda Schiller. She's the one I mentioned earlier who had the dream about whether the baby from China was the right one for her. Well, she's a psychotherapist, uh -huh. and she specializes in nightmares and post-traumatic stress. And one of the things she says in her book that comes out of like deep scientific research into the subject is that one of the functions of dreaming is basically to help you digest emotional and psychological experiences. So what happens if you get through a night of dreaming and the thing that needs to be digested is not digested? 
there's intense feelings behind it. So it's a dark dream. It's a nightmare, or at least it's very powerful. Well, what happens is, is that the next night or soon after, you go through the same cycle again. Rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. The dreaming mind has a function to help you to digest the emotional and psychological experiences of life. But you're the soldier, for example, who has come back from combat and you are reliving it as if it's happening right now. Your nervous system is on fire. Your uh-huh. guilt over killing civilians or not protecting your buddy who died in combat, you know, or whatever it was, your, your guilt is, is overwhelming you. The, the traumatic stress is still in you and it's not getting processed out. So your dreams go back again and again to try to finish the job. And so that's um, the other cause, especially for repetitive nightmares um, that's behind them. And there are tools for helping to treat them. Now, there is another type of experience that is a variation of the nightmare, and we call them sleep, sleep terrors. And this is a little bit of a different animal. I, um, I encountered these. Uh, people would come to me describing what they called a nightmare, usually repetitive. And they were some of the goriest, I mean, worse than any slasher film. That, I mean, they, they, these were horrible nightmares full of violence and death and gore. And, and then other times it was like I mean, in the deepest pit of hell getting flayed alive by demons, burning in a pool of acid, watching their loved ones get crucified. I mean, some of the worst things you've ever seen. And we would try traditional dream interpretation techniques on them, and it wouldn't get anywhere. We would try dream work methods, active imagination, gestalt, wouldn't get anywhere with it. And what we figured out was that This is energy of trauma that is trapped in the body. And when you go to sleep, you're relaxed enough for it to release. And it's supercharging the nervous system as you're asleep. So you've, and I'll give you an example. This, I learned this from a guy, someone I know, someone I consider to be a good friend who was telling me about these nightmares he was having. And I tried all the techniques of analysis and dream work and nothing was get, it wasn't getting us anywhere. He was like, thanks dude, this is enlightening, but it's not helping. It's it's I'm still having these nightmares. Nothing's nothing's fixing it. And we couldn't find anything in the content of the nightmares themselves that were, that we could relate in parallel to what was going on presently in his life. But when we dug into his past, we found trauma that he'd experienced, life and death trauma. Gun pointed at you by your drunk stepfather saying, say your prayers, kid, because it's lights out. And thinking oh that goodness. you're about to die, knowing that that's what that he's, he's drunk enough and he's crazy enough and he's violent enough that he's probably going to do it. And the, the shotgun is loaded, you know, like, and it's pointed at me. And he experienced this as a teenager and that stress, he lived through it. He didn't get shot, obviously, but he uh-huh. lived through the stress and the trauma, and he just went on with his life. And now he's in his 40s, and it's all coming back up again. 
he would relax enough when he was asleep so that he could he his body would would release the energy and now while he's asleep he's experiencing the adrenaline surge of a life or death situation as if it's happening right now and that was that's what was causing his sleep tears and the treatment for something like that is not i mean analysis dream analysis and dream work can help some but what I found is that it's better to address it at its source as something that is happening physically. It's involving your nervous system and you need to work it out physically. Do Qigong, yoga. Uh-huh. You know what my friend did? He learned Krav Maga, which is this Israeli special forces martial art. That's it's very, it's hand to hand combat. It's not like these pretty kung fu guys doing all the flips and twirls and stuff like that, you know. This is like brutal yeah. grab hold of the guy and, you know, ram your fist down their throat. Whatever's most effective way of being able to defend yourself and you know, the most efficiently in the situation. It's close combat, you know, very violent. And he became great at it very quickly. Because he, you know, he, he had all this stuff in his body that needed to come out, this energy, this crazy, manic, traumatic, violent energy. It needed to find some kind of expression. And he found a healthy way of doing it by, you know, by learning a martial art and, expre- and doing, using that to express it physically. And, by the way, helping him to get control of his anger because he was part of learning the martial art was also making a vow that he wouldn't use his, you know, ability to kill people, you know, with his bare hands, that he wouldn't abuse that power. So it actually helped him in many ways. And if anybody out there is experiencing sleep tears, I suggest that they look into ways of expressing it, working on it physically. Now that, that, that's super with adults, but children have night terrors too. And young children that, that, you know, the most violent thing as young as two years old is birth you know yeah. i mean yeah so <clears throat> what do you do with a child that's experiencing night terrors yeah the um i think first that the the thing that works better with them they're the traumas that they've experienced at two or three or four years old, and by the way, I think the number is fifty percent of children between ages and three and six report bad nightmares um what you actually they called it in the studies i read they called it sleep tears they're waking up in the Mm -hmm. middle of the night or whenever and they are scared out of their mind and yeah the research into this especially with children who they're not coming from abusive households they're not you know experiencing traumas that would be the normal source of sleep tears so what is it and it's their experience of there, there's so much that's new about the world. You know, you're three or four or five years old and you're just starting to get a sense of yourself as a distinct being existing in this world and everything is new to you and there's a lot of things that scare you and they can be some of the most basic things. Mom walks out the door and maybe she'll never come back. You know, how does a three-year-old get that thought in their mind to the point where it scares them witless? You know, and then it's, you're not necessarily seeing it in their dream content, but the first thing that I would do with a child in that situation 
is that I would teach them that they can take they can make the dream turn out differently than the thing the way that's turning out that's scaring the crap. They can be a superhero. Start off with something that they relate to. Be like, oh hey kid, you know you watch Batman? Yeah, I love Batman. You know you find the thing that they identify with, and you go, you know, in your dreams that you can have powers like Batman. They go, I can. Say, you know, I'm like. Can I, you know, swing from buildings and be like, yeah, when that scary thing comes at you in your dream, just get out your bat hook, throw it over top of a, you know, and, and go or, uh-huh. you know, activate your jet pack or, you know, pull out your bat shield. You can be protected from these things. And, and the basic idea is, is the, the idea is, is that you're empowering them and it's going to carry over into their waking life if they can do it in their dreams too. I've seen this happen many times with chronic nightmares and it works. It's the, it's a better technique for working with young children because dream analysis isn't going to get you anywhere with them and you can't sit them down and psychoanalyze them. You know, it's working with them in a make believe sort of way because at that age, the, the world is still, they, you can still make believe. And in fact, when I talk yeah. to young audiences, um, I, I, I frame this as children. I say, what are dreams? And they you know, have different ideas. And I say, well, dreams are make-believe because you're making believe that what you're experiencing in the dream is real. And when you play make-believe, you're doing the same thing. You're allowing uh-huh. yourself to go with this. Even though you know that you're not Superman, you're going to make-believe that you are. And then you go forward from there and you empower the child and hopefully it carries over into their dream life so that they can go, oh, yeah, that that, you know, that guy told me that next time I see the scary thing in my dream that I can be Batman or my favorite superhero and I can have the power to be able to defeat the monster or get away from it. And then usually that helps. And if they do or are able to do that, you'll see the changes in them in their waking lives because there'll there be fewer things that frighten them. So usually, Barbara, I, it's things that are frightening to them that are coming out and manifesting in their dreams as monsters and scary things. I, yeah, I love That's your solution. And I, I think your solution is, is perfect and brilliant. Uh, thank you. I would, I, I would suggest that sometimes what they're experiencing is is a past life, is how they died in a past yeah. life. Yeah. And children, young children are, you know, they're, they're, those memories are more readily accessible to them. Oh, um, especially especially two, three. Jeff memories yeah. are, yeah. You know, I'm also the moderator of the Past Lives and Reincarnation Forums at Reddit. Um, these are sort of my babies. Um the past lives community in particular has turned into a really thriving, vibrant community, um, international in scope. Um, and we've brought in a lot of experts on the subject from past life regression and people like Jim Tucker, who are on the academic side of it. He's a professor at the university of Virginia. He's written books Uh about children's past lives. And there's hundreds of these cases where these kids have come up with information off the top of their head or in their dreams that were later verified as being memories from a past life. Verified, oh, absolutely. Not yeah. conjecture, verified. 
Now, I have found also sometimes behind dreams, since we mentioned past lives, sometimes nightmares can be caused because there's something from the past life that's unresolved and coming forward. In my new book, I share a story from my own life of generational trauma that first entered my nightmares at nine years old. It took me 30 years and a trip to a shaman to finally resolve it. Um, uh-huh. There's also, um, uh, there's sometimes that there can be um, other, there can be generational traumas that are behind nightmares. I had one guy I was helping um, with, um, he, would ha- he had recurring nightmares about a black wave of death sweeping across the landscape. And he knew that there was no, there was no escaping it. He's there with these other people and they're all just watching it approach. And they know that these are their last moments alive. And he said it happened over and over again. And he said, one of the things about the dream is, is it felt like he was looking out through someone else's eyes. He's like, I felt myself there, but it was as if I was looking, I was more of an observer experiencing from the inside out what this person is experiencing as they're realizing that their life is soon going to end. And I uh-huh. said, Has, did your ancestors experience a black wave of terror? And he said, yeah, Poland, 1939, the Nazis came in oh, and yeah. wiped them out. And I said, wow, so like, that sounds to me like you're experiencing generational trauma. And he grabbed hold of that and said, I'm, I'm convinced that that's what it was. And uh-huh. I've, I've seen many other cases of this. There was one guy, this is, it, it also um, it was a case that I explored with a guy through his past life dreams. He said that he would dream over and over again that he was a Civil War soldier. He was, in, he was a Confederate. The Union soldiers broke the line, and he said that he defied orders, and he ran back to his home, which was nearby. He gets there too late, and he sees that the, the home is on fire, that people are running out of the home, and they're getting mowed down, actually said bayoneted, as they're coming out of the home the union soldiers were killing him. And he said that uh, he had to sit there and hide in the bushes because he knew that if he ran out to that, he wasn't going to be able to save anyone and he was just going to die in the end. So he had to sit there like a coward. Well, smart coward, but you know, that's the way, that's what he's thinking in his mind. Barbara, he was three years old when he had those dreams. Uh Three years old. He's dreaming about the Civil War. He knows the difference between Union and Confederate. He knows that he's a Confederate. He sees his home and his family going, you know, he sees everything going up in flames. And rather than wasting their bullets, which back in the 1860s were very precious, when, they, when the soldiers had killing to be done, when they didn't have to, when they're up, up against someone who's unarmed, you know, or you know, in other situations, the bayonet was the weapon of choice. So he's dreaming about this stuff very accurately, and he's not even four years old yet. And he's dreaming oh, yeah. about it night after night. So I said, yeah, yeah, this is, you know, this is a past life memory. I didn't have to convince him of it. He already knew it. But it taught me a lot about how to identify when a dream is bringing in past life memories. And one of the ways that I can tell is 
three-year-olds can have night terrors. I've seen the content from, you know, the reports. There have been studies of young children and their nightmares. And Uh you can see, you know, it's often like cartoon monster or, you know, somebody's breaking into the house, you know, some bad man stole mommy. You know, these you can look at the content and say, yeah, these are the fears of a young child coming out. But to be Uh a Confederate soldier breaks, you know, watching your family be slaughtered in a very realistic and historically accurate way. You couldn't have seen yeah, it in a movie. You know, like the things that people try to use to write it off, you can check those off the list because they don't apply. And the only thing left over when you're done is they must be tapping into past life memories, oh, which once when, you know that past lives are real, then it's not such a stretch. When uh, the, the Statue of Liberty was rededicated long ago, um, my mother and my son and uh, friends, we went down into the city to see it and coming back they hadn't put on extra trains so the the rush of people into grand central station was just phenomenal and at one time the crowd was so thick and so and surging i looked at at my friend that i was standing next to i said this is so weird i'm my feet are both off the ground. I'm just being carried along in the in the um, in the crowd, and and I said, and without thinking, I said, this is what it was like in the cattle cars going to Auschwitz. And he looked at me and said, "What are you talking about?" I said, "My name was Sarah, and I was in one of those cattle cars," and oh. and, and and it was so real, I could smell what it, what it smelled like, and, and then of course, you know, we just went on and and. But that memory of being in that crowd that packed that tightly and being surged forward, it, it, it threw me back. And, you know, all I know is my name was Sarah, and at the time I was 12 or 13 years old, and I died there. But um, it was the weirdest thing ever, and I, just, I said it so matter-of-factly, oh, this is what it was like in the cattle cars going to Auschwitz. And... Um, my friend remembers it to this day. He said it was the strangest thing he ever experienced because I was talking as though I knew exactly what I was talking about. I was describing the cattle car. I was describing the people around me and what I had on. I mean, it was it was phenomenal. But yeah, you, wow. You, we, so an environmental factor triggers the memory. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it can, and it can happen to anybody. And at that particular time, I wasn't really into this field that heavily or anything like that. So that I, I think what I want people to understand is this can happen to anyone at any time. And if you're sensitive enough to respond to it and write it down and, and you know, pay attention to it, you have the beginnings of, 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 of an amazing journal that can take you, um, you can travel through your own life, but, but through possibly other lifetimes as well and it can give you insight into your own psyche that that years of therapy won't give you so it's it, this, yeah what you're what you provide is is a tool that is not only is it enlightening but it gives people tools to have better control over their life and what they do with it which i think is the best part of it all and they're the same tools that you work with dreams that you can work with visions and intuitions, uh, feelings, uh, things that seem to come out of the blue. 
Um, it can help uh-huh. you to decipher uh, uh, experiences of synchronicity, um, of ESP and other psychic functioning. And, you know, we started off talking about remembering dreams. And if we can revisit that real quickly, you mentioned writing this stuff down as it happens. Very important. My dream journal, I used to keep a separate journal, but now I have things that have come to me through past life regression sessions. I write it in my dream journal. Uh, Other things that happen, experiences of synchronicity, you know, that thought crossed my mind of someone I haven't talked to in ages. And next thing on my phone's ringing, it's that person. Uh You know, those things that happen, they're easy to forget, but it's a skill that you develop like any other skill. And the more that you practice it, the better that you're going to get at it. So I would say if there's anyone out there who is listening to us talking about this stuff and they, they feel very far from where we are because we've, you know, we've been doing this stuff for years and they look at it and they go, well, it interests me, but God is, it seems so distant and far away and hard to do. And I would say, dedicate a notebook to just writing down these things, start with dreams and then anything that comes to you during the day. If Uh it seems interesting or unusual or is being communicated somehow to you or through you, if you wake up in the morning and you don't have any dream memories to write down, that you can recall. They're there. Trust me, you were dreaming. You have to dream or else you go crazy. Your your body breaks down. You die, actually, if you don't dream. So you are dreaming. So just start with what you were thinking and feeling. As soon as you wake up, the the things that are coming, that are, as you first wake up, it's a continuation of where you were in your dreams because there's a cycle from dream to life and then the things that happen to life come into your dreams the things that happen in your dreams cycle into your life the next day. So when you've first woken up, go ahead and just write it down. Oh, I woke up feeling, you know, like I'm forgetting something. Ah, okay. Well, it might be your dream that you're forgetting. Or maybe <laughs> your dream was reminding you that you're forgetting to do something. And you remi- go, oh, yeah, that's right. I had the, you know, my, my nephew's birthday is coming up, but I meant to get him a present and get it in the mail in time for you know for his birthday that's right i remembered that yesterday it came to my mind but i was busy at the time and i didn't write it down to remind myself so now it's coming up in your dreams this is if you keep starting the journal and just doing that and getting in the habit of every morning the first thing you do think about my dreams it can start you off on a habit that's going to carry with you and it's going to hone and develop the skill you know i i went through a long time where I had a lot of difficulty remembering any dreams. And I, it, it got really discouraging. And then I said, no, I'm, I'm going to focus on this. So before I go to bed, I remind myself, hey, I'm going to be asleep soon. I'm going to be dreaming. Cool. I want to remember some of this stuff. I want to remember uh-huh. as much of it as I can. In fact, I can do it. I know I can. So then Absolutely. that carries me through the dreaming night. If I wake up in the middle of the night, I got to use the bathroom or I just wake up naturally. First thing on my mind, what was I dreaming about? Great time to remember your dreams is in the middle of the night. You wake up naturally after about four and a half hours, wake up. Okay. Write down my dreams. And then in the morning, first thing, don't think about anything else. Just write down your dreams. Give yourself the mental space to be able to focus on it. And it will come to you. 
And those listeners out there who are feeling like they're very far from where they are hearing us and where we're at in our lives, after all these years of experience doing what we do, I Uh promise you, I promise you will catch on to this stuff and it will start happening for you. It takes time and you may not know it yet, but it's worth it and magic does happen. That's right. I mean, that's, that's, so I call all of this magic because it, it is, it is another aspect of our personality and character that, that often we don't acknowledge. And if we don't acknowledge it, it stands in the background. And if we, acknowledge it 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 gets out and dances every now and then and and like like a dead relative in my backyard i mean who would have thought um <laughs> yeah oh uh, yeah but I, you, I jokingly, you followed your hunches and feelings and you know i did i jokingly said to my my son when i moved down here i you know because my family the the part that i really know the most about you know we're we're northeasterners i mean Absolutely, and my son said, "So you're going to come down and be a norther, a northerner in the south." And and I looked at him finally, and I said, "Not me. I'm a southerner by marriage." And <laughs> <laughs> it's in yeah, that's right. It's in your blood. It's in your DNA. You know, I used to live in North Carolina, outside of Raleigh, right next to an area called Cary, and they called it the containment area for relocated Yankees. Because you'd have all these people who would move into this because Cary was a wealthy suburb and it was true. No, there were very few natives who lived there, you know, but I found myself very quickly kind of catching on to the lifestyle down there. Um, I mean, Raleigh was a pretty high technology, lots of universities and stuff. So it wasn't like deep South or anything, but you know, there were some aspects of Southern culture and life down there. And I'm pretty sure that there was, something that activated in me that went back to the civil war because I've, I've had this feeling for, you know, for years, decades, I've had this feeling that I participated in that war or was somehow involved in it. uh, Maybe extraneously, maybe as a leader of a political leader or, you know, maybe not necessarily like a soldier, maybe the uh, father or mother of, you know, someone who was in the war, something like that that deeply affected me. And I think that my call to the land down there was based on this past life. Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed it too. um, Two hours, Barbara, we covered a lot of ground. That was great. Yeah. Um, Your website is jmdeborg.com and you want to give out the other place. Yeah. Sure. jmdeborg.com. And uh, dreams123.net and dreams123.com. The links from there will take you anywhere that you need to go. Um, Rad Owl's uh, Crash Course in Dream Interpretation. uh, That's the book that will get you going um, with your dreams. Or go to dreams123.com. A lot of the content is there. The book is better presented, um, but the website also has that information. I want people to be empowered to be able to interpret their own and understand their own dreams. That's the point of doing this. And I created this system so that anyone and everyone can interpret their own dreams. So dreams123.com. Hopefully we've got a lot of dreamers here tonight and um, they'll they'll give it a shot and, and surprise themselves. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure as always. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you for having me on your show. And um, 
uh, taking the time to help me to get the word out there that everyone can understand and benefit from their dreams. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And good night, everybody. Um, do tune in tomorrow. I have Gary Wayne on, and we're going to be talking about COVID and end times. Should be interesting. Um, it's going to be more than interesting. Take notes, please. Um, do check out the, um, the YouTube channel. Check it out. See what's, what's on. There are lots and lots of shows, over 500 shows there. And um, if you like what you see and enjoy what you're listening to, please do subscribe. Um, that's how we know you're listening because we see those numbers going up. Thanks for joining us. Good night, everybody, and have a great day tomorrow. Bye-bye now.